Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. Well, welcome to this next episode of Box Talk. I am here with yet again another special guest. All my guests are very special. Sir, would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sir, I am Sir James Fitzgerald uh, from Opex Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. Awesome. I didn't know you were a knight, but we're going to make you a knight now, you sir. You me. You <laughs> well, just you're very me. welcome. That's that's what you yeah. get for being on the podcast today. You just get... in America. We just created knighthood in America. Hey, you know you've always wanted to be a knight. What not that every childhood's dream, childhood boy's yeah. dream? A yeah, little bit? I heard Ricky Gervais talk about it. You just want to be up on a horse slashing people with your sword. <laughs> you know, it just feels very, <laughs> very leadership style. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you could be like an OPEX knight or something. So yeah, I like that we, may, uh, we may do that in our graduation ceremony for our coaching program from now on. Just get people on site, sword right to the left, you know, give them the certificate and off you go. Well done. I will definitely then be coming through that program for that reason alone. So anyways, it's James. James, thank you for being on the show today. Super appreciate yeah. it. But I love always starting out with the stories. So I guess, who are you? How did you come to be here today? What's your background in this industry? Um, let's just start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born and raised in Canada. I loved fitness as a kid. And uh Grew up, uh, you know, playing sport. That was my medium to understand fitness and just physical culture was something that was always fun for me. Um, and, uh, you know, got into a higher level sporting career and then, you know, through an injury, discovered lots about the body in general at like 18 years of age and then was very um, optimistic and, um um, just kind of settled myself into like, you know, this is something that, I'm, that I really am interested in. And the only route for that was to study it uh, within some kind of medium that was nearby to the physical culture, which was a bachelor's program um, in kinesiology called Education of, of uh, Physical Movement at the time. Um, and just studied that and then got out and the same idea got in mind. I was like, okay, I know all these things. Now, what do I do with that? It's you got to practice it. So the concept of practicing it was through being a personal trainer or a coach. And I did that for a number of years and um, did that in Canada um, up until 2011. Uh, had lots of success with my own business called OPT at one time, which is transitioned to OPEX right now. Um, and throughout that period of time, developed lots of systems and practices that certainly helped me be successful in what I wanted to do. And uh, um, share, started sharing those principles with other coaches because they were looking for some guidance in how to do that as a practice. And uh, at the same time, was coaching a lot of people online and in person um, for program design and individualized coaching. And uh, just basically grew those a number of systems, uh, a couple of CrossFit gyms and some personal training models and a strength conditioning facility. And just outgrew them because they had, you know, uh, physically outgrown them and moved to the States in 2011. Continued to grow those two major aspects of online coaching, individualized and the education system for coaches. And uh, that brings us here to today, five years, six years later now. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I uh, coach coaches on the fundamentals of fitness. And I help people develop those practices so that they can grow their business and be fulfilled as a coach. And I help coach coaches 
on helping them with their own clients and their own business um, for uh, online and in-person coaching. And I coach people here at our location in Scottsdale as well. Yeah. Wow. I'm just thinking back to your 18-year-old injured self and him probably being like, oh, I'm going to have this life in fitness when you're probably sitting on the couch hurting and in pain and being like, I'm never going to move normally again. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was kind of that story, uh, to be honest, because actually I thought that I was going to be a professional soccer player. Um, I had all intense purposes of leap my home life and my younger life wasn't, you know, anything to be admired. Um, I always held on to fitness as being my escape, um, and my, my own physical journey. Um, like I like to say, I spent more time at the ice rink or in the basketball courts than I did with my family or at school. Um, you know, some people may resonate with that story, but that was my church basically. Um, but then it was taken away and yeah, I was like, you know, well, what's my identity now? I thought I had this like future in athletics, but it was, it still was within it really, but it was to actually just help, uh, folks in fitness recognize what I did you know, after injury, I fell in love with fitness, like, holy crap, this can really help people. Uh, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta spread this, you know, I gotta tell others about it. Yeah. I mean, now you're coaching coaches. I mean, you're just coaching so many people. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, just no, crazy. The concept of growth, uh, for me was, you know, I think just, it was evolutionary for me every now and then to start asking questions like, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, why get out of bed? Why are you actually going to do that process or whatever it was? So I always had in the back of my head this, you know, uh, this constant upgrading process, you know, so why are you doing that? Who is it going to help? You know, what's it for? What's the long-term plan of it? You know, what is it going to end up helping? You know, how is it going to end up helping? You know, so I, it eventually ended up to the point where I feel really happy now that we have gyms that we could help people in and I can, I can coach coaches, you know, thousands of them. It really makes me feel good because I know that they're going to help other people and so then I can spread that wires uh, spread that uh, excuse me the analogy would be the spider web really broad you know yeah was reflecting on that why what helped you maybe to just hone in and really develop this business that OPEX has become yeah for sure um, I think that uh, you know I think a lot of well I'm not gonna speak for a lot of business owners but there's um, there's some things that personally you can use as your own personal attributes that help and also harm growth of business. But I think some of the things that possibly have helped, because I don't have to mention the list of things that have harmed it, but possible things that, because there's lots of harming of my personality traits for business, but is that I'm fairly patient and um, I really, I have, you know, um, I guess a stoic style of thinking for, for strategies. And I have a, uh, um, always, a you know, just, I'm just a deep thinker of alignment and, and priorities. And, um, it always, you know, goes back to just me helping a client and that's the way I basically see the long-term process of business. So, um, that's, what's really helped is my own personality trait, I think within business for that, you know, what is, what is next for OPEX and, and how we're going to envision that to help everyone. Yeah. And, and don't worry, we all have many harmful traits that do not yeah. help in life. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, one of those, just to piggyback on it, so it speaks real to people because it's real. We're all not 100% all the time. You know, it's is uh, sometimes, you know, being a dreamer at some part at some times, right? And a visionary, you can lose uh, consistency of your message, right? Because you're like, well, maybe we can do this and maybe we do it. But you know, the people that just want to like dig in and follow through, they're like, but you just said that 
this is, you know, so that's, that's a, you know, that's a downside of it, but I mean, it's a little uncomfortable, but it gets people on board recognizing how I work. And I've uh, luckily surrounded myself now with a ton of great people, um, that, um, do much better at some of the things that were my characteristics of growth that I needed some help in. It's amazing what a wonderful team can do. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is. For sure. So I also am kind of curious, why Arizona? Was it because you were from Canada and you wanted to get away from the cold? Pretty much. I mean, the sunshine just says it all. Uh, I had visited a couple of times. I had worked closely with Charles Poliquin for a couple of years as an intern. I've been down here, so I knew the area. I knew really how hot it was, but I'd been here a couple of times during uh, April, May months. And um, when the opportunity arose, as we said, the earths were colliding and universe was shifting. And I was like, you know, honey, our kids are young and here's an opportunity. Um, my wife and I and our family traveled quite often. Um, I'm a big believer in um, a coach having the opportunity to uh, be able to spread their wings around their profession so they can experience life and not just like be in the trenches all the time. And I gave myself an opportunity to do that. With that, though, we recognized every time we went away, we'd go somewhere warm and we extended the stay. And every time we come back to Calgary, it was like, you know, we love Calgary, but it really hurts to come back. To and so we did it. We did it one more time. And I'll be I'll be short on this. But so we give me an example. Like when we were young as a couple, no kids, we went to California. We thought three days was like a massive splurge. Right. And they were like, oh, three days. Maybe we can go four the next time. So went to California the next time for four days. And then, then it was like, ah, we got a kid. Let's go away. And then we, you know, it, was a, it was like a trip for me for NSCA or ACSM or something. So we took seven days. And then throughout the year, it'd be like, oh, let's do some trips partnered with my education. It would turn into like seven, 10 day trips. And then it got to the point in 2011, we bought this home and in uh, this uh, land in Costa Rica, and we went down there for four weeks. And that's what we extended. And I shit you not, I shit you not, this is an inflection point in the history of OPEX that I really did not think we were coming back. I'm, I say that with a straight face. It was such an opportunity for me to just depress and really like figure out um, what, what I want to do and what my purpose is and what we want with our kids and our future and the rat race and how it all was perceived to me that I really did think I was just going to shut it down. But then I got, you know, I got pulled back in in a great way to recognize that I really had not fulfilled on a lot of things that I wanted to complete. But we went back and three months later, the decision came up to uh, move to Arizona and we did not flinch an eye on that. Um, so the lifestyle allowed it. Uh, we're, you know, we are, um, I say this with a, a very strong opinion. I'm a very fortunate Canadian living in a very, uh, respectful, um, uh, unbelievable country. Mm. Wow. That's amazing that you, you were going to never come back. That's just crazy. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm sure most affiliates are like, how can I do that? <laughs> can I move away yeah. to Costa Rica and never come back? Yeah, well, I hope they just heard the story. It takes some time for yourself and it'll, it maybe may allow for some things to stew, you know, on, on their purpose and why they're doing what they're doing and their balance of being in or out of the business or on it, you know, uh, maybe that story will help a little, uh, help a little bit. For yeah. People. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. And, and speaking of affiliates, so you've, you've kind of made your name, uh, made a name for yourself within this industry of CrossFit. Why don't mm -hmm. you go ahead and tell us that specific story and, yeah. you know, like 
I'm sure a lot of people know you are, but I'd love to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I discovered CrossFit uh, in 2004 uh, from a friend. At the time, I was just a uh, strength conditioning coach within OPT and doing program design and personal training and uh, discovered it as an online training program for myself personally. Uh, and the usual story, right? Everyone's shocked, shock and awe, the first workout, like, holy cow, this is a whole new version. And for me, coming into it, I think I had not a massively different perspective, but um, I, the reason why I tell this is that it's key to understand how everyone was influenced when they came in because it leads to their story afterward. And so I'll, I'll make sure I'm very clear with that. I had 10 years as a refined strength and conditioning coach and personal trainer prior to coming into CrossFit and discovering it. So when I did it, there was a huge amount of um, upheaval and uh, displacement of the strength conditioning profession at the time because you were either on board with this new movement or you completely hated it, oh, wow. right? Yeah. The concept was not well-liked uh, within strength conditioning and personal training at the time. And so I was one of the few who was like, yeah, let's just do this, man. I want to figure out what it's about. And then I started looking at it going, holy cow, there's a lot of really good stuff inside of this that could upgrade my tools as a coach for strength and conditioning in, in, in its entirely. Um, and then it just, you know, I basically, you know, did them, did the online competitions because it was an outlet for me to be the best person I could be. Um, and I did them every day, you know, for years and years and won the original CrossFit games in 2007 and then competed for years after along with helping a whole ton of other people either coach them in person or online uh, participate in the same thing. And so, I, uh, I, today I, you know, I've grown to that point where I have respect in, in mainly the program design aspect of CrossFit and, uh, some, some knowledge around uh, the history of the sport and, and, you know, what it takes for seasonal balance and, you know, um, what it takes for skill progressions and management of that and where people should be assessed in it and how to progress them. And, and so that's really where I've kind of, I set my tone in it because in the, um, the, we, we opened up a business, CrossFit Calgary, in 2000, 2006, I think, or 2007, I'm sorry, and uh, myself and Brett Marshall, and then another one in Okotoks uh, just after that, another CrossFit location. And uh, the business aspect of it just wasn't my shtick. Um, you know, I was so deeply embedded into the individual program design that I just couldn't get over the, uh, the idea of a group model. Uh, not right or wrong. It's just that's my that was my vision for what I wanted for fitness delivery, and um, and so that's that's where I ended up just uh, creating an education platform for that. Yeah, but I'm very very grateful for my experiences within CrossFit. If you're to look at my training today, and you know, I'm 43 years of age, and you were to look at it when I was you know 25, you'd see an obvious difference, you know, in the style of training, and a lot of that has been upgraded just through my participation through CrossFit and understanding really what the definition is of fitness for myself. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's crazy. Well, so are you going to do the open this year? I'm curious. No, no. Uh, okay. uh, I, uh, I put, you know, I put a lot of beans in the basket a couple of years ago to do the, the masters uh, competition when I turned 40 and uh, I came forth at the, at the worlds, um, for that I wanted a podium. So it wasn't a real, um, my, you know, my happiest finish for that. I wanted, a, I wanted a podium and I lost that one spot on that. Oh. Um, but I put a lot of effort into that for that year and uh, purposely set aside some time to train. And and uh, since then, 
um, I really just having that same kind of fire in me. So uh, I'll wait and see if it happens again. If it does not, then um, I'm at peace right now. I feel happy. Yeah. And I mean, hey, you have you have something else that's thriving and needs your attention. <laughs> yeah, it really um, it really is a great uh, it's a great journey for people. I'm sure there could be a number of owners or just athletes that are listening in on that and they can't really uh, comprehend the pain that an athlete goes through um, in letting go. Um, and you can imagine my story. I mean, you know, at one point I was considered the best in the world. I mean, I knew I wasn't the most fittest, you know, it was just based upon the talent pool and who was participating. But um, I knew I worked hard and I knew that I was, you know, you know, I, I'd reached the mountain, you know, for my own personal mountain. Um, and the story down on that other side of the mountain, it's not a, it's not an easy story. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know if people, I'm sure there's some people that could really resonate with that, but I'm here to tell them that, you know, it is sweeter on the other side when you start recognizing that when you really attach to understanding your experiences the best you can and then passing that information on to other people, it does make you sleep better at night. And you don't need to, you don't need to be that athlete anymore um, because you can, you're transcending it now. So I'm in that, I'm in that real good spot right now where that, those demons come up my shoulder, you know, over and over which are good. I hope I never lose them. You know, that's a, that's an intent inside of me. I never want to lose to my deathbed, but uh, I am realistic around what I can do. Yeah. And I mean, I think those demons can give you a fire, a fire maybe you didn't have before. And like you said, you, you are on the other side of a mountain. You have other things to teach and to learn. Yeah. That does give me a fire for other things too. I mean, it doesn't have to come through the physical method, you know? So, um, anyhow, it's a, it's been fun. Thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it, it's a cool story. And, and honestly, I'm sure uh, some coaches and affiliates would love to hear even, you know, just kind of with this mentality that you have and that, you know, it, it's not every, it's not end all be all this competition. Mm -hmm. And yeah. for most of the population that does the sport, it's not end all be all for them in at all or to any effect. So I guess I would love to maybe hear, do you have any advice in terms of like how coaches, affiliates should approach the open with their members in order to make the most out of it, whether that be for their business or community or even just, you know, better quality of life in their members? Yeah. Um, well, I can, I can approach it from two different areas, you know, and, and the, the two real simple ones I'll approach it from, because it could be a very you know, lengthy answer is you do want to, you know, create physical requirements and um, outside of how you view the open and what it means and the competition itself and whatnot, you know, uh, I would suggest that you got to ensure that people are not just there all year for the open. And I don't say that due to issues with the open. I say it due to, you know, remembering the service that you're providing for people year round it's almost like, you know, do you really need to give them a birthday present on their birthday if you're thankful and appreciative of them all year, you know? It's so it's that analogy. that style, yeah. that style yeah. of story. So I'd, I'd really want people to think about that. Like, what are you doing that, that, they, that sets them up for their own physical progression and potential? Because no matter how you swing it, the open is, a, is an entry system where, you know, you can scale as much as you want, but there is actually still things you have to do but that's not fitness, you know, uh, fitness is not for that person. Fitness is not about survival. So you got to say, is there other ways that you could allow growth for this person within your own service offering per week, per class throughout the year for years and years on end 
that allows them to continue to grow physically, but at the pace that doesn't force them into this survival mode, which could happen within the uh, the opens emotionally as well as physically. Um, and I think sec- secondly, you have to ask, um, so that was really the physical aspect of it. Uh, secondly, I don't know if it's um, spiritually or emotionally, uh, you have to make people recognize where they sit on their own specific journey and that journey in fitness as to where they sit. And the open may come and go, but uh, you have to you have to ask yourself the question, how is it going to be perceived for them um, and what is their perception of that? And you have to say, has it been, have they been like, you know, a part of it emotionally all year? Have they been a part of this kind of competition for an extended period of time? Are they comfortable with, you know, uh, being compared to, uh, and I, probably the three that I use just thus far are not really strong, but just take the position of a client psychologically where they sit as you set them up or as you set them up, you know, positively or moderately or negatively for the open preparation. Um, and if you do that, what you're going to end up seeing is that you're going to, you're going to have to have a little bit more deeper, um, and just call it what it is. You got to have to sit down and just talk to each person individually about their own story, not in a class setting, because I'm Heather, I'm really not going to get to know a lot about you specifically, unless you're sitting here in this office and I can really feel your energy. I can shake your hand and we can talk on a, on a deeper level of, about our relationship. So you could tell me like what you really want to do or what's the, what's the main you know, things that really light you up and inspire you. And then with that, if the open connects to it, then it's money. You know, it's money. But if you don't sit down with all your folks and really take a time to consult with them and really see what lights them up and what inspires them and what their journey is in fitness, you may miss that little psychological thing that is constrained by doing the open. So two things there. Number one, think about their actual physical assessment and where they sit for the open and be really honest about it, you know, and um, if you don't have the competencies in that, you know, I can help. I, I teach people in CCP about those competencies of assessment and program design. Um, and then psychologically set some time aside for consults weeks and weeks prior to the open to say, how are you feeling? What is this we're doing? Does it all align? What really? Because you may see some people are like, you know what? I'm scared as shit and I think you're going to judge me and I'm afraid to disappoint you. And you're like, Wow. I didn't, I didn't think that was going to be the case whatsoever. And you, you didn't know that. Why? You never asked some quality questions on why they're here and why they're doing what they're doing. So maybe those two things can help some people with that. Yeah. Oh man. That's, and I mean, that's a cool picture. And I hear more and more, I think from affiliates, just talking about, uh, sitting down individually with each member and asking them, Hey, like, what are your goals? Where do you want to go? Because, if you don't ask, you'll never know. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, the word individualization is pretty big with you, James. That's yeah. why I hear the word on the street is. So why, I'm just kind of curious, you know, <laughs> the word on the street on being the street. maybe like email. It's probably email. Um, that's my street. But what? <laughs> why, I suppose, why is that huge to you? Where does that uh, mindset come from? Yeah, it was well. It was biased to my own, you know, experiences. Um, you know, for my own um, fitness level, um, from watching athletics and seeing how I had really coaches that didn't even know they were masters what they what they were because they know how to they knew how to 
in a sports setting really inspire me to be the best that I could be. Um, but then when I went into a, a world of injury and then outside of injury, um, as I climbed back to function and getting back into sport, I started recognizing that in order for me to be at a certain level of fitness, you know, at the same time of what I was doing to get back to that level of fitness, it looked completely different than another group that was at a functional level. So I was like, okay, well, maybe it's because this is where I sit. And so like, okay, I'll just keep that in my pocket, but it's something that I noticed. And then, you know, I started, of course, digging into fatigue, you know, genetics, mitochondria, biology, and the depth of that. And you start recognizing with that depth of knowledge in science, how uniquely individualized we are and how we respond to stress differently. And when I started studying that, I uh, started also seeing in the gym that everyone was going in the same direction for fitness, but none of the programs looked the same. And I was like, well, how can you get that? But you're not doing what that person is over there. And it just, so that's my second noticing. I was like, okay. And then of course, like my story goes, I started applying it, right? And so I worked with young teams. I worked with groups. I worked with individuals. I worked with old. I worked with young. I worked with pro. Because being in the private setting back in the late 90s and 2000s, you know, fitness was booming and uh, it was kind of a word on the street, like you would say, um, not through email though, because we didn't have it, that when you had your own like group and business, it was your own, it was your own area. Like there was no impeding on other people's businesses and there was a good handshake agreement amongst businesses for that, which is, you know, fairly different today. But anyways, through those experiences, I started recognizing the massive differences that would have to apply based upon where each person started in their journey, you know, based upon where each person started in their journey. And I, I just applied those forever. And so why is individualization or customization very important for me? It's all I've ever done, you know. Um, and uh, I just believe that's the path for everyone's uh, growth for fitness because it allows us to meet people where they currently are and then direct them forward right here. So, you know, you're not you're not saying, well, you need to be here or we're going to put you back here and that's where you need to get to here. It's like, well, this is where you are. How am I going to improve your fitness? Well, if your definition of fitness is an increase in the ability to reproduce and survive, then I need to put you here, which is just slightly forward because I don't know how you're going to adapt to that stress. What you don't do is say, well, let's just come over here um, because that's what everyone could do and we're just going to model that. Some people may not adapt to that. <clears throat> and so they may take a long time to adapt or they may just create compensatory patterns to get to that adaptation. So now I'm talking the differences of, you know, uh, um, let's call it uh, templating it versus individualization. And that's why I believe in the individualization piece. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Just, I mean, and taking your own experience and learning all of that and being able to apply it to OPEX today. I just think that's like insane. That's crazy. So I am kind of curious just with all this experience, just, uh, through OPEX, through, um, your time, you know, competing through this individualization model and, you know, what are maybe some of the biggest lessons you've learned in terms of like success, whether it be individually in sport or even as a business owner, like I would love to maybe pick your brain on like some of those huge points and lessons that you've learned over the past few years, uh, past several years. Especially within sport or sport. Um, and how probably. <laughs> I'm sorry. What'd you say? Say it one more time. Just sport overall or the discomfort of, 
or just the discomfort. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, probably one, I would love to hear about just sport overall, like your lessons that you've learned to sport, and then maybe we can talk about the business side next. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sport, that's a, that's a fairly easy one. Um, you know, we have even sayings on it because we really have, I've done this on a personal level with other people and help them through some of those challenges within that, that, uh, environment. Um, I've done it myself. I've also been able to coach coaches to coach people. So now there's a language that's effective, you know, right. And I've gotten feedback from the clients and the coaches to see if that's effective cool. in order to measure it. And it is effectively, it's effectively done. Um, and really what it comes down to is you have to be uncomfortable um, in, in a number of situations and, um, you got to learn how to be comfortable with that. So our, our, our language of get comfortable with uncomfortable, um, is a really key component of our, of our training program that I learned from the sport because you don't just, and people just think, oh, it's just pain. Like in Fran, it's like, no, there's, there's a lot of different pains that you go through in your sport environment and learning how to adapt to those pieces um, without judgment of it is the key, you know, learning that I would ask anyone to take that from life and just continue to grow with it. Um, that and be vulnerable. Um, there's lots of talk on the street today about self-help books on, you know, grit and, um, and self-awareness and not being afraid and feeling the fear and doing it anyways and being your best self and being unique. And it's all the same language that, you can't be afraid to be vulnerable. You can't be afraid to fail. It's one of the major things that prevents people from um, from really seeing the sweet side of participation is they get so caught up in the end result or what everyone's going to think of them or where they're going to finish. Yet they're not thinking about like, how do I really risk it? You know, how do I put all the training in and then really put it on the line? Um, and when people have done that, uh, you can see them at the regionals and at the opens and at the games. They they are walking around, you know, maybe in 35th place at the end of the weekend, but they put it all on the line. You know, they they did the best they could and they risked it and they were vulnerable. And, you know, not a lot of people talk about it, but there's happiness to that, you know, uh, people at the end of those weekends. So, so as an athlete in sport, those are the two things I'd offer. You know, get comfortable with uncomfortable, not just in your training, but in life in a bunch of different areas. And, and uh, also, don't be afraid to be vulnerable and uh, allow things to uh, get a little scary and then just meet it head on and learn from it. I don't think I've ever thought about that and just the type of vulnerability that those and, you know, the elite levels of sport have to exude because you're right. They put everything out there. They work oh, so hard and then they... And we think it's so easy for them, right? We're just <laughs> yeah, like, oh, like, look at them down there. They were born that, they were born that way. <laughs> They, they have all those muscles all the time and athletic oh, ability. There's lots of stuff going on in there that they're challenging, right? You would never believe all the insecurities that go on with the elite people within CrossFit. And it's not a, it's not a negative side. It's what makes them continually question themselves that drives up the right kind of motivation for them to do what they need to do. So it's, uh, but it's, it, you need to recognize that we're, there's a lot, we're all like that, but it's what they do about it that differentiates them in which they challenge their own status quo um, and what their you know, perception is telling them. They, they challenge it. And that's what I think is a major separator in, in the mindset for the champion versus the exerciser. Yeah. And man, I think that's applicable in so many areas of life. Oh, for sure. Right. Well, that's a carryover to the business aspect, right? It's a, that's a great segue uh, for the business aspect is, 
Um, you know, just recognizing that you've got to be, I think within business, you, you, you have to know, well, you have to know a lot about the culture of what business you're in. That's a really important thing. You need to know your business, right? Um, what is fitness? Keep asking that. What is your business's definition of fitness? What is your personal definition of fitness? You know, keep asking that. Um, and then you need, need to be able to know, know, like, what is exactly happening in the market? You need to know politics and economics and, you know, technology and how things are moving and shaking so you can understand the social perspective. If you understand the social perspective and biology, then you'll recognize what message you need to say, you know. So your messaging is your sales and marketing. And then if you know society and what they need, then you can adequately consult with people to set them up for your program. And then if you know what society needs and what their pain points are, you can give them fulfillment on the back end for the program they have. So a lesson for coaches and business owners is to really recognize what is exactly going on around you, um, understand the, the, the market and the definition of fitness and what's happening with it, just so you don't get missed, missed on uh, or you don't get uh, you know, it doesn't walk by you. Um, and then you can adequately see how you know, the front end piece of sales and marketing into the client, new client package into the fulfillment just works really well. If you're, if you're really aware of what's happening in the market right now. Yeah. I think that is easy to lose sight of in terms of you get so caught up in day to day and being in your own gym that you forget, Oh, what's happening outside of it is probably actually really important as well. Yeah. For example, like, you know, um, how many, you know, so give me a simple example. How many, of your clients, uh, avatar, like how many of your clients avatars do you guys have nailed down for your geographical location and who you work with and who you crush, you know, and let's just say you crush 45 to 55 year old executives. Um, they're not spending six hours a day, like 21 year olds might be on Instagram and Facebook. So you got to say to yourself, okay, well, if that's how I'm going to message to that audience, how am I, how am I doing that? Right. Am I doing it with eight different posts today on Instagram that are five second feeds that lead into this request to consult? Or am I going to community organizations or a farmer's market on a Sunday or going to these places where I can speak to these people authentically and say, here's the service we have to offer. Come and see what we do, because that generation wants to be touched and they need to create trust. Because the biggest thing they have an issue right now is anything technological and the trust around that technology, including marketing and sales and everything. So you'll find a few percentage points that are that are okay with it, but that market needs to build trust. And so for me personally, I'm almost in that market that I just scared myself to think that I'm going to be 45 to 55 year old category. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> well, great. It's going to be the best years of your life. No, but if I was going to go purchase a product, you know, and it was going to be a contract for me or something, I really want to get involved in, I want to shake hands. You know, I want to meet this person no matter because I, I have people around me who are mentors to me at 22 years of age in different ways. Um, but I have full trust in them. Why? Because I've shaken hands with them. I understand their vision and I'm really clear on what they want to do. So I'm just backing up to say you got to really know who you're speaking to. And uh, if you do that effectively, then your product and everything inside of it should should work all right. Yeah, it's so easy to speak in the language you're fluent in and forget that someone else speaks in a completely different language. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, you know, even if you don't know, Heather, you know, just keep asking. Really, you just got to keep asking and talking to people and just really say and, and listen closely. Like we teach in life coaching, we teach coaches how to listen very carefully um, and how to notice what they're noticing. 
Because when you get to that point, you can start recognizing how people are influenced by conversation, what their inspirations are, what powers them up, what drives them down, where they sit. Because then you can speak to them eloquently about fitness and how it's going to line up for them, right? Yeah, no, exactly. So you're not just screaming, you're not just screaming, you know, fitness is this, you know, this is what we do. They're like, shit, dude, I don't give a shit about fitness. But if you can make me, you know, take care of my kids better and live till I'm 80, then I'm in. And then now you got to speak to them differently. You're like, well, this is how your fitness is going to support you. You're not just saying pull-ups, testing, the, you know. Yeah. Yep. No. And I'm just thinking back to all my foreign exchanges with people who don't speak the same language and you just have to learn how to communicate exactly. <laughs> effectively until you yeah. learn words and then you learn, you know, different methods of communicating like, oh, does drawing a picture work better or does pantomiming or yeah, it just, it takes time. But once you do, then you could effectively talk to so many different people. <laughs> yeah. And so. then, you know, a second higher order to that is to recognize why that worked. You know, that's another key component is to measure what you just did there. And we teach coaches that too. It's like, you can't just like notice and be like, oh, that was a thing. We then got a debrief and go, now, why did that happen? Because then it allows you to upgrade your services, know where you do things really well, and also know where you may need improvements in uh, your performance. Two great things to know if you're running a business. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. So awesome. Well, and James, probably one of my last questions for you is, you know, since I have you here, if coaches mm -hmm. or affiliates should know anything about OPEX, what is the one thing they should know? Uh, we uh, are a leading organization in coaching uh, uh, fitness coaches. Um, so that would be the, the main thing I'd want them to know about it, that uh, we're continuing to set up our business as well as our future um, with my leadership and vision on that because I, you know, I uh, get very inspired about helping coaches be fulfilled in their jobs and uh, become professional coaches and really love the journey that I've been through and, and duplicate that in multiple different ways. And uh, that's what we're up to. Um, you can get us at opexfit.com um, or I'd welcome an email if anyone wanted to hit me up, james at opexfit.com. I don't mind letting everyone know about that. Um, don't make it a you know four-paragraph life story. That I may not be able to hit on unless it's really important and then I would but I've never turned down any emails that can't answer back or phone calls so um, if people need to know like what we're up to and what we do you're a good man giving out your email and making sure everybody can reach you so I think it's, uh, I think it says a lot you want people to you know humans you. well I mean humans are you know it, it works itself out you know I've had lengthy emails that uh, uh, went nowhere but also lengthy emails that were very powerful you know that I learned lots from so um, you know, I'm open to discussing some people if they're interested in, you know, what we do and, and, uh, where we want to go, or even just talk some shop about some old CrossFit workouts. You know? <laughs> it's always a good time when you can talk some shop about <laughs> old CrossFit workouts. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> You're like, why did we ever do this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know why it was good. <laughs> I know it led you to where you are today and your yeah. life is incredible and you live in Arizona and it's sunny. So <laughs> pretty good end of the story it is out there i won't lie it's so nice out there today oh well it's raining where i am so congratulations yeah 75 and sunny oh my fit. goodness it's beautiful Great. why are you sitting here talking to me you should be outside enjoying the nice weather well it was open um but i had to close it up because it gets too loud outside but i'm gonna open it up again here now i think it sounds like a great idea so awesome well james anything else that you want to share you know get get off your chest here on the podcast no, thank you for having me. Um, at any other time, if there's other topics or content that 
you hear from your audience that is useful uh, for me to, um, you know, expand on. Uh, some of my expertise lies in um, just really, you know, assessment and then creating a prescription of nourishment for people in program design and the scientific aspect of that, as well as fatigue. And uh, also, you know, building gyms and uh, individually designed OPEX gyms over time. Um, we can come back and circle round on over time and discuss what our future is for that. Yeah. So did you guys hear that? You need to email me, comment on the podcast, and let us know what you want to hear, if you want to hear any more. And we will we will get some information out there for you. Or maybe I'll yeah. just ask James because I'll be like, hey, I want to yeah. know more. <laughs> no, I, I love discussing it. I mean, you know, you could honestly uh, – I guess if we took like pee breaks, I'd go for hours and hours just discussing, <laughs> you know, just fitness in general and, you know, your, your questions. Um, yeah. And uh, if, it, if it can't be contained in one setting, then we'll do it in a multiple one. So I don't mind coming back and oh, circling around. Fitzgerald series. Fit series. I see there you the, go. I see the Fitness. name already. Fitness. <laughs> you should put that on a shirt. <laughs> uh, it's been used. That's, it might you, have been used. You just pulled that out of the pocket. I love that. No, that wasn't out of my pocket. I can't claim that one. <laughs> I know, but no, it was sitting there waiting to be used again. It's, I'm usually pretty good at those, though. I do pull them up, you know, but uh, maybe it's the end of the day. I don't know. I didn't oh, pull that one. That's been there for a while. That's right. No worries. You still did. So anyways, James, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We super appreciate it. I'm sure people are going to learn tons from listening to this so